Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are here today. We thank you for your presence here. We acknowledge, we thank you, Lord. Today, we pray, Father, that as we prepare ourselves to hear your word, open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you would have. Let the wood, hay, and stubble, the stuff that gets in the way, the things that are of Dan, let it burn up, let it fall to the ground. But let the purity of your word, the gold of your word, let it go forth and accomplish the purpose that you've sent it. Father, let everything that happens today bring glory to your son Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to Psalm 139. This is one of the verses we used last time. And uh, what we talked about last time was uh, the presence of God. And we, we talk about God as being omnipresent. I'm not going to ask anybody, but uh, by a show of hands, do you, do you know what omnipresent is? Yeah, yeah. It means God is everywhere. Let's take a look at these, these few verses here in 139. I'll pull out my little reading glasses. See, when I put these on, I can't see you. <laughs> I can only see here, so. So if you see me like this. Okay, Psalm 139, starting at verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, and even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall come over me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. God is everywhere. And as we established that and talked about that last time, it kind of raises a question then, why do we pray, I know I do, God, for your, your, your presence? Why do we pray for his presence? And what we uh, talked about a little bit is it's not because of his absence that we're praying for his presence, because he's here. He's here now. We may not sense it, feel it, see it, but the Bible says that he is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. So he's here. It is not because of his absence that we pray or ask for his presence, but instead we're inviting him into our life. Okay? There's a big difference. We are inviting him into our circumstances. We are inviting him into our present. Now, that's another way of saying that. It's his life for us. When we invite him into our life, it's not, hey, this is what, what I've established as my life, God, you want to come? No. What we're doing is saying, God, what life do you have for me? Bring it in. 
I, I want to line up with you. And when we're inviting him into our circumstances, we're not saying, you know, Lord, it's my way. Come, come, come in and, and join up with me. No. We're saying, it's not my way. Look at my circumstances. Obviously, I don't have it right. God, it's not my way. It's your way. So when we invite him into our circumstances, we're declaring your ways are better than our ways. And, and third, inviting him into our present. And this one, this is one that you got to chew on a little bit. It's his reality, not ours. It's his reality, not ours. But you don't understand, I, I, I am sick, but he says we're healed. We're going to dig into this a little bit more. So as we, we've talked about that a few weeks ago, this week we're going to talk about barriers to these items, barriers to His life for us, barriers to His way, not ours, barriers to His reality, not ours. If I covered all the barriers... There's tons. I would be here all day, all next week, and I still would miss some. So we're going to look at three. Is three okay? We got one, okay? Okay, we got two. I need one more. All right, all right, all right, we got three. So we're going to take a look at uh, barriers. What stops or hinders his life for us? His way and His reality. Number one, ignorance. Did He just call us ignorant? Ignorance. What, what's ignorance mean? Lack of knowledge. Okay. So the word ignorance, I'm just trying to get your attention right. He called me ignorant. So lack of knowledge. Let's turn to Romans. Romans is good. Romans 12. I think it's in the New Testament somewhere. Today's more of a, a practical way, so I'm, it's not real deep. We're going to be practical. Is it okay to be practical? Yeah. We're going to be practical today. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 2. Okay. Sometimes these glasses don't help all that much, huh? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you don't already have underlined, and I'm sure you do, underline, 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We get a lot of input. We get a lot of information. We grow through life, and there's a lot of information we take and make a part of our being, make a part of who we are, what we think. And some of it we accept is true. So you've got to be very careful of your source. So when we look at what stops or hinders his life for us, his way, his reality... The barrier of ignorance, number one, is we already know. We already know that He is omnipresent. We've talked about that. So we can't really claim that we don't know that. But did you know that He does have a life for us? Yeah. Did you know that His way is better? I'm going to jump to Isaiah real quick here. Isaiah 55, 8. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts are different than our thoughts? We have to take his ways and make them ours. I'm going to give three practical things that we can do in this area. Number one, Decide or choose that you don't want to be ignorant. What? Decide that you don't want to be ignorant. Well, how is that important? It's very important. Can I, can I tell you a story? I'm going to tell you anyhow, so. Uh, uh. When I was younger, uh, when I was a teenager uh, growing up, I was in um, I was in Pittsburgh back then. All right, all right. We got a couple pizza. Thank you, James. Um, a lot of my friends, a lot of the the culture and, and everything, drinking was kind of a normal function. Using this as an example, but I made a decision at a young age that I wasn't going to drink. Now, what impact did that have? Because I consciously made a decision as I went through the ages of 13, 14, 15, 16, and, and kind of go through, and I was faced with a circumstance of, hey, come on over to this party. We're going to be drinking. And I've already made the decision not to, so I didn't have to decide, no, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. So when I was faced with another circumstance, I had already determined 
ahead of time where my stand was. I've already went through the thinking process and was standing on that decision to help guide me through those years. Now, does that mean I've never tasted alcohol and, you know, over years uh, I've never tasted? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I made a decision first and then as I traveled on in my life, those circumstances that I faced became easier to deal with because I had already made that decision. So when we look at the concept of ignorance, not knowing, make a decision, I'm not going to be ignorant. Well, what do we do? I'm glad you asked. Plug into a good church. Wow, they're all teaching, preaching Jesus, right? No, no. Some of them aren't. Some of them are in the name of, of the five letters, Jesus. Count one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's got his name there, but yet the agenda seems to be more about a program or elevating an individual and not lifting up Jesus. Maybe it's wrapped up in a process, a ritual, religious practices, but lacking relationship. Teaching a superficial message so that every day when you come in, hey, you're going to make it. You're good. You're lovely. You're wonderful. Now go, go out there and, and face your week. So when the devil attacks you, what are you armed with? I'm wonderful. <laughs> that's all you got? That, that's all I got, devil, is you try to attack me. It's all I got. Doesn't sound too much like a sword, does it? Sounds more like a squirt gun. It's important that you get fed. And even more so, there's a concept of displacement. Displacement. If you have... This would be a great opportunity for an object lesson if I had a board here or something. If you've got so much room and it's filled and 90% of it is what you learned, what I've learned out on the streets, out in the world, out in society. But Romans 12.2 says, renew your mind with the word. So you bring more of the word in to your life and it displaces the world. So if you bring more of the world into your life, it displaces the word. To get that, if you bring more of the word in, 
You need to be fed. You need to be fed. Find a good church. This is a good church. This is a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching. Now, now I'm starting to get the Holy Ghost goosebumps, you know? Holy Ghost-believing. Oh, man. God is alive and well. And what we believe in here is firmly rooted in biblical principles. It's on the Bible. The Bible's true. If you don't know that, I'm telling you this morning, the Bible is true. So in the concept of being ignorant, we decide first off, I'm not going to be ignorant. Number two, I'm going to find a good church. This is a good church. And number three, we're going to read his word. Okay, I'm going to rabbit trail just the, this much. This, this much. There was uh, a time a number of <laughs> decades ago uh, that I came across someone who, their family, Christian family, strong Christian family. Okay, the dad on fire for God. The mom loves Jesus and the kids, okay. I'm going to focus on, on the mom for a second here and take this, take it any way you want, I guess. Uh, the dad dug into the word. Mom didn't, but mom was excited about Jesus. But mom relied upon the dad, but didn't dig in. So her faith was reliant upon not the word of God, but on somebody else's. Here's the danger with that. When the time comes of testing, if you're not rooted in the word, you could potentially be in some trouble. Okay? Seven sons of Sceva, we've heard that. Hey, in the name of Jesus that that Paul down there preaches, I cast you out. And you, can you see them kind of prancing like this? Oh, this is good. You know, and, and then I, that Paul preached, I don't really know Jesus. What, and the, those demons, they said, hey, Jesus we know, Paul we know about, who are you? And beat them up. Strip them of their clothes as they, and they're running down the street. Woo! You know the story, right? I want to stand firm. And when the devil comes after me, it's a devil, in the name of Jesus, you be gone. The Bible says, resist you and you will flee. I stand on, on biblical principle. And you are rooted. You are rooted. The Bible is true. I'm just warming up. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not done with the introduction yet. No. It, it's not about really even how long we're going to be together, because it, it's going to be relatively short. But there's some things that we need to leave here with. Uh, 
you know, dealing with these barriers. Now, there's one last thing I'm going to say about this, and we'll move on to one that I have more fun with. Um, be a Bible junkie. When I was, when I was, uh, I don't know, late teenager, early 20s, I couldn't wait to get back into the Word. I, I had to go to school, and, and then as I got old, I had to go to work, and, and I segregated some time and, and everything, but I couldn't get enough. Still can't get enough. But there was a, a, a love of the Word where you can't get enough. That's where we need to be. I'm drifting from here. You guys don't care, do you? How many of you have ever had a boyfriend or a girlfriend in the past sometime? Okay? All right. Do you remember when you first met? Do you remember when you first started going out and there was that excitement? Oh, can't wait. The phone's ringing, depending on how old you are. Didn't have caller ID and, you know, you go back. The phone's ringing. Who is it? Oh, it's him. It's her. And it doesn't even matter what you're talking about, right? You're, I'm so happy to be talking with you. How was your day? Your day was good. Her day was good. It was good. What did you do? She woke up. <laughs> the content was less important than building and working on that relationship. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes I would be sitting waiting for the phone to ring where somebody said that they were going to call me some 20 some years ago. And she did, but that waiting by the phone, sometimes that's how I picture Jesus waiting for you to pick up the phone and call him, waiting for you to reach out to him. There's a song I used to sing down in West Virginia, get Jesus on the main line and tell him what you want. Get Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Tell him what, everybody know that, right? <laughs> even if you did, you couldn't even connect the dots there, right? And that's why I'm not singing. Okay. We need to be hungry for God. Amen. Okay, we're going to move on to the... Second part. Well, the first one is ignorance. The second one is distraction. Distraction, a barrier to keep us away from the life He has for us, to keep us away from His ways and His reality. A barrier being distraction. What is distraction? 
Let's take a look. If you have your, your Bibles, Mark chapter 4. We're going to read a little, little parable here. Starting at verse 3. Mark chapter 4, verse 3 says, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. Verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. And they, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Or some ver versions have, they stumble. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Distraction. Distraction is broken focus. Broken focus. How many people drive in here? See, I do that just to make sure you're awake, see if you have to move. Yeah. Have you ever been going down the highway, 76, I pick on that because drive on 76 one time, you will see this. You're going down 
And then the car in front of you starts doing this, or the semi in front of you, in some cases, starts going off this way, then this way. Or the car starts going this way, and then gets back on this way. And you're watching them, and you're looking, and then you might see a little bit of And then their car goes off. It, it, they're distracted. Trying to text. Drives me crazy. Isn't there a law to take effect today? I kind of read that somewhere. There's all kind of uh, things. I, I was reading about it yesterday, and it deals specifically with distracted driving in this area. And... Um, you know, uh, the, the seatbelt law is they can't pull you over for not having the seatbelt on when it first came out. But if you get pulled over for something else, then they can get you for not having the seatbelt. Well, in the same vein, uh, there's a lot of parameters that, that are coming out. And I'm not an expert, but I'm using this as an example. That they are trying to identify items that could be a distraction and now it's illegal. So, you know, they mention eating. They mention smoking. They mention uh, certainly texting and talking on a handheld phone. And they have these lists and everything, and the fines are identified and everything because it's dangerous. As you are driving and you're distracted, what happens? You could drift off the road. You could cause an accident. You can drift to the right. Or you could drift to the left. See what I'm doing there? I'm kind of bringing that in. Yeah, Drifting off to the right. Have we, anybody in here ever seemed to have drift off to the right a little bit? And then you catch yourself and you get back on. Yeah, we, we might do that driving, but have we done that spiritually? Have we drifted off to the right or to the left and didn't even realize it? Because we were distracted, we had our minds on something else. The priorities kind of got out of whack a little bit. Anybody have a busy life? Life is busy, right? It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to have other things on the forefront of your mind as you're going about life. You've got a lot of things going on. There's a constant struggle. There's a, a lot of things fighting for your attention. How about when you come to church? Is it any different? Sometimes it's a, a struggle. I'm not talking about a struggle to get to church. And, and there might, might be. What I'm talking about is what's on your mind? When you enter the sanctuary and it's time for praise and worship, 
is that a time just to sing a few songs? No. That's the time where we are being ushered into the presence of God. What does that mean? I've heard that. It's very religious to say that. What does that mean? That means we are to take the things on the forefront of our mind, set them aside, push them aside. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes we've got to fight. Sometimes we've got to really push past the things that are on the forefront. Well, you don't know. This is very important. My family member is sick, and and, and I'm worried about them. Should that be on the forefront of your mind? Or should it be that my God is a healing God, and I want to praise Him, and I want to thank Him, And I want to press in to where he is because I want his reality to be my reality. I want his life for me to be the life I live. I want him in my circumstances. But we struggle. Oh, don't think for a second that I'm saying that Well, you can overcome that, and then from here on out, everything is fine. It's a constant struggle. It's a constant battle. The Bible says that the devil is a worthy adversary. Okay? He is fighting. Ephesians 6 says that uh, we are to put the full armor of God on. I'm not going to go through all the pieces. or We get that we put the full armor of God, but the devil prowls around and he is circling you, trying to find the crack in the armor. He wants to expose that crack. Guess where he wants to attack? Where your weakness is. If he can distract you, He can knock you off the path, the road. If God has a purpose in your life, and you should know that He does, you are to walk that path and not stray to the right or left. But if the devil can knock you off, then you're not on the path that God has set before you. Maybe that's that person in line at the grocery store that the Holy Spirit saying, you need to, to speak to that one. But you're distracted thinking, I, I've got to get this, I've got to go there, run this errand, do that, do that, and I'm distracted, and you're pushing God aside. Oh, it sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? But I'm just trying to be real with you. When I'm at work sometimes, you ever hear the saying, you get in the flesh? Sometimes you get in the flesh. Sometimes you get a little angry. You get distracted. Well, God said you, you're to walk in love at all times. So sometimes I'm human and I get distracted. I get angry. I try not to let that anger lead to sin, as we talked about. But you can be knocked off course. That's what distraction does. When we're worshiping, we need to push those things aside. The things of the world. There's a, uh, 
oh, what was that old song? I was just kind of flashed in my mind just for a second there. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You guys know that old one? Glad you do. I tried to sing that. It might squeal. The lights would blink. I don't know what would happen here. But, uh, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. In the things of earth, the things of this world, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we are praising and worship and we're focusing in on God, I like to say we're pressing in. We are going from the outer courts to the inner courts to the holy of holies. The things of this earth grow strangely dim. That's what we do during praise and worship. The struggle is there's things fighting for your attention. There's thoughts that are in, in there that are trying to say, don't think about the Lord. Think about what you've got to do this afternoon. Think about the roast that might be burning because Dan talks too much. You know, think about this or that. And in your mind is distracted from pressing in because when you get in the presence of God, who changes, you or, or him? You do. I do. In a similar way, I want to talk about prayer. Big surprise, right? Somehow he was going to work it in. Praise and worship and prayer, you can't really separate them. You can't. In prayer, if, if, if you're giving, lay, I lay me down to sleep prayers, oh, time to pray, I lay me down to sleep, uh, um, something, something soul to keep, uh, uh, amen. Did that prayer really, uh, I almost said impress God, certainly it doesn't impress God, but did you even connect? Is God like, oh yeah, this is that time, oh Jesus, the phone's ringing, here it is, Dan's giving me a call. Soul to keep? What? He wasn't there. He's desiring that relationship with us. He's desiring to... He already knows us. He's desiring for us to get to know Him, to have relationship with Him. Well, there's lots of Greek words we could go over. We're not. Sometimes when I pray, it's difficult to start. Sometimes when I pray, it's, Lord, I, I, I want to pray. I, I, I have things on my heart, but I, I, I don't know where to start. So I just talk to him. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in in this part of my life. I I, I definitely see you moving in this part. Lord, I'm struggling over here. 
And as you begin to talk to him, as you begin to talk to him, you're revealing more of yourself. Is it revelation knowledge to God? No. We, we mentioned a word a few weeks ago, omniscient. He knows everything. It isn't. Can you picture something happening, no matter what it is? You got the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and hey, Father, you see that? That one caught me by surprise. No. But when we, in prayer, we, we open up to him, kind of a parallel to worship, the things that are troubling us as we present them and lay them at the foot of the cross, we, we pre- present them to the Lord, say, this hurt, this is a pain of mine, Lord, I want to give it to you. Help me in this area. There's a point where the things of the world become less important because you're spending time with Abba Father. You're spending time with Daddy God. You're spending time with the creator of everything. Really drifted from where I intended to go. There's one more area I want to talk about. And it's broken fellowship. (coughs) Broken fellowship. As we talked a little bit earlier there was a time when, when Shelly and I were first going out and the excitement of waiting for that phone to ring or, or, or can't wait to that time that we were going to go out on, on that date or that excitement and, and so on. That, that love that was ignited in the same way for, for many of us in this room, when we first got saved, when we first got saved, there was that excitement. You couldn't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. You couldn't wait. If life has been busy, if there's been distractions that have kind of built up. We're going to open up the altars in just a minute here. And this is a time for you to rekindle your first love. Rekindle that time with God. Spend time. And whether you decide to come up here because this is an act of stepping out of your chair and boldly coming before the throne room. And and, and there's nothing magical about this other than you're taking a step out in faith. Or whether you decide right where you're at, just take a moment to press in to where He is. And talk to Him. Rekindle that first love. For others in here this morning that 
You might be saying, I never really knew the Lord. I hear about Jesus. I know the name of Jesus. I've heard of the Bible. I've read pieces of it. Maybe I even went to Sunday school when I was younger. I know of Jesus, but I don't know him. I would invite you to come up and I'll pray with you. The Bible says that when we believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that we are saved. And there is not a demon in hell that can snatch you from the hand of God.